Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, that was last week. But did you find some special way to say you love your, your special Valentine? I'm sure you did. Well, why would I start out talking about it? Well, we know that our love, our expression of our love, shouldn't be confined to simply what we do on that one day, right? We should be expressing our love all the time. And that's true not only with the love we have toward the people around us, but it's also true with our love for God. Well, now in the church year, we're in a different time, a different season, and we're focused on the suffering and dying of Jesus. But we focus not just on the details of those events for six weeks, we focus on the impact, the, the purpose, and, and the meaning that comes to us. And, and so we're going to see that the cross of Jesus comes to us with many different blessings. So over the next six weeks, we're going to have a series of messages entitled Cross Purposes, where we want to focus on what purposes, what blessings God brings to us through that cross of Jesus, and for which we say, thank you for the cross. Now, do you remember as a kid ever saying, cross my heart and hope to die? It's kind of a strange way for us to, to say to somebody, I really mean what I'm saying, or, or it's the truth, or you can count on me to do what I've said I'm going to do. Cross my heart and hope to die. Well, today we want to talk about crossing my heart. But it's with the cross of Jesus. Today let's go to the foot of the cross and, and hear a dialogue between Jesus and a thief who is being crucified for his crimes. Our study section is from Luke chapter 23. The Lord, uh, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The cross. It's a clear symbol of the Christian faith and the Christian church. We very boldly and proudly display the cross on our buildings and inside of our church because it stands for what we believe. That's not only there as a sign of who we are as an organization, but that cross even becomes personal. 
people will wear a cross maybe as a way of identifying to others what they believe, but also maybe as a, as a means of encouragement for themselves. You see, the cross is something that we have in our heart because it's dear to us. We know the importance and the value of it. But sometimes we speak of the cross in another way, as some kind of agony or something terrible that we have to carry through life, right? Because we'll have the phrase, this is the cross I have to bear. And it can be referring to any number of things. Well, today, let's talk about that cross that's in our heart. In specific, those crosses that we see also displayed on Calvary that day when Jesus died. There are three things that stand out as crosses that we bury and carry and, and, and have in our heart. The first one, obviously, is, is the physical suffering and the struggles that we experience in life. That's what crucifixion was all about. It was about terrible torture, physical suffering being exacted on people who were criminals. Now, we don't need to go into all the details of what it did, but we know that it could last for hours, sometimes even days. It was excruciating, a horrible way to die. So because the the cross stands as a reminder of that physical suffering, we sometimes refer to the physical suffering we go through as a cross that we have to carry or bear. And it might be that that suffering has come and whatever struggle is with it as a result of something that we've done. In other words, the consequences of our actions. But sometimes that suffering is just there as a part of life because all of life now is ruined. So what are the crosses we have in our heart are those struggles and sufferings that we experience. But the suffering that was going on there at Calvary was also there because of sin, right? Those two men who were crucified with Jesus were thieves. In fact, the word used in the Greek language implies that they were violent thieves. They just didn't walk by the candy counter and steal something. They used violence to take from other people. Now we might look at that and say, well, okay, well, I'm not that way. Good, keep it up. But there was something else that lies behind their crime, and that was selfishness and self-centeredness. They didn't care about anybody else. They just wanted stuff for themselves. In fact, it would be hatred, not love toward others. Maybe we're guilty of those things too. In fact, the one criminal says, you know, we're here because this is what we deserve. This is our punishment. Sometimes we experience the direct consequences of our sin. Sometimes we don't. But for sure, sin is in this world and has brought suffering. There's one other experience here that we could call a a cross in our heart that we see going on at Calvary that day, and that was the sorrow. Terrible sorrow that was going on among Jesus' friends and followers and his family. Here was their Lord, here was their friend, here's their brother, their son, and he's being put to death in such an awful way. Sorrow comes when we're going to lose somebody. 
But also, they were probably upset and angry over the injustice of this. This shouldn't be happening to Jesus. And sometimes we get that sorrow and anger too when things are done to us or to others unjustly. But now let's listen in at that dialogue and see what else is going on inside of the heart of those thieves. Because now the one thief cries out to Jesus. It wasn't a protest. It wasn't a complaint. It wasn't questioning. It wasn't rejecting or mocking. Rather, it was a cry expressing a need, a need for relief. But you notice, he's not asking Jesus Save us. Get us off this cross. Use your power and strike down this Roman garrison and let's get out of here. That's not what he says. He said, I deserve to be here. But yet he wanted some relief. He saw a greater need that he had. To be relieved of his sin. Because now he knew he was going to be facing God. Now the other thief, he too is asking Jesus to save him. You know, if you're the Messiah, save us. But he wasn't really doing it with faith. It was more of a mocking. He knew he wasn't going to get out of it. So you see what the difference is between the two guys? The one who is asking Jesus to be saved was actually saying, I repent of what I've done. He wasn't saying, I I regret this, and I wish I could make it up. I wish I could get back to my life, and I would live differently. I I would kind of, you know, undo all the bad that I've done. I'd pay people back, and I'd live as a better person. No. He's just admitting, I've sinned, and this is what I deserve. He's simply seeking forgiveness, to be saved from that sin when Jesus comes with his kingdom. And that's why he would pray then, Lord, remember me. Now this was not the the cry of a desperate man who's dying. This is simply the cry of faith. You hear what he's saying? Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. When you come back with your kingdom, what is he saying? He's saying, I believe you are my Lord. I believe you are the promised Savior. And I believe that you are going to live because you are coming back. He wasn't bargaining here. He's not saying, you know, I'll do better now. I really promise. No. He's simply putting all of his trust in Jesus and saying, remember me. Save me. That's what was in his heart. What's in your heart? When you are feeling the crosses of this life, the struggles and the suffering, the sin and your guilt, the sorrows of life, what's in your heart? Are you like the one thief who is complaining about this and wanting things to be changed? Maybe you have some questions. Why is this going on? This doesn't seem fair. Maybe then you have some doubts. How can this be? This isn't right. I don't understand this. Maybe it comes down to then even simply giving up on God, rejecting Him. How can God be loving? How can there even be a God for all of this to be going on? 
Sometimes those are the cries of our heart. It's understandable because the crosses we experience in life are hard to bear. Life in this world is tough because of sin. And that same sin has has tempted us and has tainted our life, so life is difficult. But there is hope. That's what Jesus' words, his answer back, assures of. There's hope. Despite how heavy the cross may be, despite how unexpected, unpleasant, and we might argue undeserved the cross is, there is hope. What we need to do is simply do what that thief did. Turn our crying over the cross into crying to Christ who is on the cross. And there we will find hope. Remember that there are three crosses on Calvary. Just as we have three wooden crosses in this beautiful window. Two of them remind us of those thieves and our own condition. The white dove on top, symbolizing the Holy Spirit, comes to that cross on Jesus' right to the one who repented, to the one who had trust and found hope in his Savior, Jesus. Because, really, it's the center cross that counts. It's not about what we're going through. It's about what Jesus has done for us. He's that lamb who was sacrificed on the cross. And it's because of his blood that was shed that covers all the world, represented by all the various red spots in the window, that we have hope. And so, as we go through life carrying these crosses and have them in our heart, let's remember this too, that it's his cross in our heart that gives us hope. Hope being a, a confidence, not a wish, but a confidence, a conviction that we have is simply found in Jesus. Demonstrated by that thief. He wasn't asking the Roman guards for some mercy. He wasn't trying to to buy them off so he could get out. No. He simply turned to Jesus. He's our only hope. Now, others were probably laughing at that. What can he do to save you? He's in the same situation. Right on. Exactly. Jesus is in the same situation. Jesus put himself in our situation. He didn't do anything wrong. That thief was right. He didn't deserve that. But Jesus willingly put himself there. He willingly took on all of our sin and guilt. He willingly suffered the wrath of God, the punishment for our sins. That's what our hope is. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of our God, of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is telling us our hope is found in Jesus. He is the hope, and from him we get grace, and mercy, and peace. That blessing, my friends, is not just for the future. That's for today. 
the Apostle Paul tells us how that hope through Jesus is alive and strong in us today when he writes this in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, in our crosses, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope doesn't disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, like he was that thief. For you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, like those thieves, Christ died for the ungodly. Our hope is found in Jesus. And that hope is firmed up for us in the cross. Maybe others viewed that cross as something that was despised and as an instrument of torture and pain and suffering. But you and I look at that cross and we don't see pain, we see relief. We don't see hatred we feel love. We don't find sorrow. We find joy. And that hope is made firm in Jesus. The writer in the book of Hebrews put it this way. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Just like the anchor for a boat holds it in place despite the winds and the waves that blow and move it around, it doesn't move from its place. In the same way, the hope we have in Jesus, despite whatever winds and waves blow us around now, will not move us from God's love. Then he goes on. He says, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He's picturing here the temple and that curtain that was there that divided the regular spot from the most holy place which was symbolic of God's presence. And he says, our hope takes us right into that sanctuary of God. It puts us right there in the presence of God because Jesus, who was our forerunner, who went before us, has opened that way. And now you and I have clear access to the grace of God. That cross firms up our hope even when we bear crosses of this life. So have faith, which is simply holding on to Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews said in the verses right before I read, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience Inherit what has been promised. He's urging us, don't give up. Don't give up, despite how, how difficult those crosses may be to carry. Don't let it discourage you. Hold on to Jesus, who carried all of those same crosses that you experienced, so he knows what you're going through, and he will help. And know that he carried the biggest cross of all, 
your sin and guilt so you will never have it. Hold on to Jesus. And that's for this life now even, with all of our needs. Whatever you might be suffering, whatever struggles you have, whatever sorrows you experience and those sins that you are guilty of, there's relief for all of them in Jesus. Don't let the the troubles of this life distract you from that truth. Paul firmed it up this way when he said, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. You could put your name in there and say, I, a believer in Christ, by the will of God, in keeping with that promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. We have the promise of hope for all of our needs in this life, and that carries on for eternity. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have a sure and certain hope. His resurrection guarantees us eternal life. His resurrection guarantees us the resurrection of our own body. Now sometimes Lutherans are accused of focusing too much on heaven and not enough on the life now. Now I would disagree with that, of course. And I'll tell you why. How long are we going to live on this earth? 80 years? Maybe a little more? Could be less. But we also have eternity before us. We want to be ready for that. For that long, long, never-ending eternity. Yes, I want to focus on this life here. How can, how can my life be lived better? But it never will be perfect. But for eternity, I'm set with that sure hope because of Jesus Christ. Some may say, and I guess he even admitted it, that thief on the cross got what he deserved. And I would say, no, he didn't. He got something far better that he didn't deserve. Eternal life. You and I have that same hope. I don't know what happened in those remaining hours of that thief's life. The Bible doesn't tell us anymore after that promise that came from Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise, in the presence of God. But I do know that he heard Jesus speak his last words. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And maybe, just maybe, those were the same words of faith that he prayed as he draw, drew his last breath. Maybe he didn't say that. But nonetheless, it happened that way. He found himself in the hands of God. And that's our hope safely and eternally in the hands of God. Friends, hope does not disappoint us. Whatever you experience, whatever cross you're bearing in life, hope will not disappoint you. Whether it's some physical suffering or struggles you're going through, hope will not disappoint you. If there are some fears and uncertainties about your future, hope will not disappoint you. If there is sorrow over the loss of a loved one, hope will not disappoint you. And so let this be our prayer. Lord, 
Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And now, cross my heart with hope for life, even when I die. Amen.